0: One Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. And for more information, please visit us on the web at onechurch.net. All right. Hey, if you have your Bible, why don't you grab it and turn with me to the book of Luke, the book of Luke, chapter 24. And if you're new to One Church, uh, today, we're so glad that you're here. As I mentioned, you've, you've come on uh, a, a great day today, um, in spite of perhaps the tiredness, but you've come on a great day. Uh, but if you're new to One Church, typically what we do is teach through series, perhaps a book of the Bible or a topic. Um, we have just been in a series that we've called Church on Mission. Uh, how many of you are encouraged by that message and by that series of messages? Amen. <laughs> Um, and we are actually going to be starting a new series uh, next week uh, that we're calling Inspired. We're going to be talking about spiritual gifts and, uh, and really how do, we, how do we flow in the, uh, the gifting that God has given to us, in the, the flow of the Holy Spirit. And, um, and so we're going to be talking about that next week, but I have a one-off message Today, So this is an exclusive offer today. If you, if for those who have missed today, you just have missed it. They've missed it, okay? So I'm so glad that you are here hearing this limited time offer. We're not putting it on, on uh, the podcast or anything, okay? So you got to listen. No, I don't know. I, we should probably still put it on the podcast. But anyway, um, if you have your Bible, Luke chapter 24, Luke chapter 24, and um, I'm going to read a lengthy passage of Scripture. Is that okay with everybody? I'll tell you this. In preaching, when they train preachers, they say, like, uh, you should not read the whole story. Just read a little bit. And I'm like, you know, I understand. We don't have to read the whole Bible. But I'm like, you know... uh, We don't know what else I'm going to say today, and it may be, you know, the quality of it. We do not know, but we do know what I'm going to read here is at least good, okay? And so if nothing else is good, we do know that what I'm going to read is good. And so I'm going to read a a lengthy passage, perhaps a little more lengthy than what I normally read. And so I'm going to read, if you're ADD, I'm just going to give you a little heads up, Luke 13 and I think I'm going to read all the way down to verse 35, Luke uh, 24, verse 13. And uh, this passage is picking up uh, right after the resurrection, right after Jesus rises from the dead, is raised from the dead, and he appears to some of his disciples, and, um, and some of them go to the tomb thinking that he's still in the grave, and uh, they encounter an angel that says, he's not here, he is The the Easter response is a little more energetic. Let's try it like it's Easter. He is not here. He is risen. There you go. So good. Thank you. Um, And and so they begin to spread the word and they they find a, a couple of disciples. They tell the word that he is alive. He is risen. And I want to pick up with that on verse 13. It says this, now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus. They were on the road to Emmaus which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they, walked toge- and they walked together, or they talked together, I'm sorry, of all these things which had happened. So it was, while they, con- con- uh, while they conversed and reasoned, that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained, so that they did not know him. And he said to them, "'What kind of conversation is this that you have with one another?' As you walk and are sad. Everybody say wah, wah. Verse 18. Then one, whose name was Cleopas, answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which have happened here in these days? And he said to them, What things? So they said to him, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty in in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. Listen to this. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us when they did not find his body. They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who had said he was alive. And certain of those, uh, and certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. Then he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures concerning himself. Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone further, but they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is is toward evening and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he broke bread, blessed it, uh, that, he, that he took bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him. And he vanished from their sight, and they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road, and while he opened up the Scriptures to us? So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem, and found the eleven, and those who were with him gathered together, saying, The Lord is risen indeed, and He has appeared to Simon. And they told about the things that had happened on the road, and how He was known to them in the breaking of the bread. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You, Lord, for Your Word today. God, thank You that it is living and active. God, thank you that this is not just ink on a page, but God, there is power in this word. And so, Lord, we pray that today this word would come alive. Lord, thank you that even on this, uh, on this uh, daylight saving Sunday, God, that you are wanting to speak to us. And so, Lord, we just position ourselves to hear from you today. Speak to us, we pray. Change our lives, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, I want to speak to you today a message that I'm calling when he comes near. When he comes near. Uh, I, over the past several uh, weeks, I, uh, it's, I've had something interesting happen. I've had probably more people come to me over the last, I would say, four weeks, come to me and say, Justin, there's something happening in our church. There's a sense of, of God moving, there's something different. In the atmosphere in our church. I know today's daylight savings. I know everybody's a little sleepy today. But, but how many of you have sensed that over the last several weeks? Uh, there, there's something that God is doing. Amen? Um, we, we had a couple weeks ago, we, saw, we prayed for people that were sick in their body. We just saw uh, so, some great faith and expectation. And God seems to be stirring something. Last week, um, my, my dad was preaching in a great, great word about the keys of the kingdom. And uh, he started telling stories about people that, that were in bondage to spiritual oppression. And, um, you know, honestly, that's, that's not typically the sort of thing that gets a great response in the, in the church, you know. Um, but, but then we prayed for people that were dealing with anxiety and there was such a huge response, so many people. And uh, do you all, everybody remember that? You were here last week. There was, there was just this something that was in the atmosphere. And um, again, I've had probably more people come to me over the last few weeks just saying, you know, there's something happen, happening, something stirring. And, and this week, I was just meditating on that. I was thinking, okay, God, what is it? Did we have, you know, certain color lights on? Is that what it was? That, man, it's just the, you know, those lights evoke a certain emotion, no, I didn't really think that. But I was saying, God, what is it that is, is it, was it from the sin? Is there something that's happened because of the sin? Well, maybe perhaps. I also thought, you know, we we as a church just hit our, uh, the beginning of our seventh year as a church. That's awesome. Just hit the beginning of our seventh year. and And I thought, you know, is it because of the seventh year? If you look at the Bible, uh, in the Old Testament, the seventh year was, was the Sabbath year. It was the year of rest, that, that for six years you would work, you would sow, you would labor, and then on the seventh year, you stopped working, and God just kept producing fruit, kept bringing things forth, and honestly, I think there could be something to that. Uh, but, but I felt like what the Lord just stirred in my heart is this phrase, that He has come near. That He has come near. And, and here we find in this passage of Scripture a moment, an encounter, a, a significant story that, that is really all about a moment that Jesus draws near. I want you guys to see this today. The beginning of that passage of Scripture, it said in verse 15, So it was, while they conversed and reasoned, that Jesus himself drew near. What an amazing passage of Scripture. What an amazing statement that the risen Jesus, who had just a short time ago been crucified, laid in the tomb... And now all of the sudden he is showing up and drawing near to them. That's amazing. That's amazing in spite of your underwhelming response. That is amazing. That is amazing. Here's what I, I want you to understand this. We need to understand this. That there are times that God draws near. There are moments, I don't know why, I don't know if there's exactly what it is that causes him to want to draw near, I know there are some things, but there's also moments that God just in his sovereignty, in his love and his mercy, he just says, I just want to come near. I want to draw near. Any, anybody, you're a snuggler. Any snugglers in the house today? If you're a snuggler, you, you love nothing more than for your snuggle buddy, whoever that is, to just draw near, right? And here we find Jesus doing that very thing. They're just walking down the road. They're not in a prayer meeting. They're not waiting in the upper room. They're not reading the scripture. They're just just walking and talking. And the Bible says Jesus himself drew near. There are moments that God draws near, and what we do in that moment has the potential to change everything in our lives. What we do when when God draws near, when Jesus draws near to us, is really the most important thing in our lives. Think about it with me. Throughout Scripture, the Bible is filled with these stories and these moments where God, in His Sovereign will chooses to draw near to people. Do you remember the story of Abraham? Abraham was was not a a God-fearing man, so to speak. But the Bible says there was a day that God appeared to Abram. God drew near to Abram. And it changed the whole course of history. It changed, really, the, the, the history of the world because God drew near to Abraham. Maybe you remember the story of, of Jacob. And Jacob, again, he wasn't seeking after God. He actually had just stolen his brother's birthright. He's on the run from his brother. And he falls asleep in this place, lays his head on a pillow. He has this dream, this vision of heaven opening to earth. And he wakes up in the morning and he goes, whoa, God is in this place and I did not know it. This is the house of God. He says, how awesome is this place? It was the middle of the wilderness. There was nothing awesome about it. How many of you know if you slept with your head on the pillow the night before, when you wake up the next morning, your first inclination wouldn't be like, this place is awesome. Yelp review, five stars, right? But what was awesome was that the presence of God had drawn near to him and he woke up And suddenly he realized that although he was in the wilderness, he was in the house of God. It was, he called it Bethel. He said, how awesome is this place? Moses, another time, walking in the wilderness. Again, not seeking after God, if anything, perhaps running from the mistakes he had made in the past. He's out in the wilderness one day. He's just tending to his flock. Perhaps feeling like he's forfeited his calling and his purpose in life and suddenly... He sees this bu- uh, the bush that is burning and is not consumed. And a, a voice speaks to him, says, take off your sandals. This is holy ground. And God spoke to him about his calling and his purpose and his destiny. It was a moment that God drew near. We see it in the life of Saul in the New Testament, this man that was, again, not seeking after God. If anything, he was the antithesis of seeking after God. He was persecuting the church, and he was on his way to do it. And he was on his way to kill, to kill followers of the way. And suddenly, Jesus himself appears to so and, and, Saul and knocks him off his donkey. It's fun to read in the King James, but he knocks him off of his donkey. His eyes are open. He says, who are you, Lord? He said, I'm Jesus who you are persecuting, which gives us a little bit of a taste of how Jesus, or insight into how Jesus views the church. It's like how a husband views his wife. If you mess with the bride, you mess with him, right? And, and, and when you mess with the church, he says, I'm showing up. But he didn't show up to judge him, he showed up to, to love him and to redeem him. There are moments in time that God shows up. There's moments in time that Jesus draws near. But here's what I also want you to see is that it's possible to be in the presence of Jesus and not know it. Look at what the scripture says. Says Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. Now they knew all about him. They actually had seen him prior to his death, they knew what he looked like in the natural. They had walked with him, they had even heard reports from other people. That Jesus had risen from the dead. And here they are. Jesus shows up to them. He's talking to them. And they don't even see him. Or they don't see him for who he is. Now I want you to understand. As amazing as it is. That Jesus. It, it, at moments in time. Jesus draws near to us. It is equally important for us to understand. That, there's, that, that for many of us. We can be in the presence of Jesus and not know it. We can be in His presence and not know it. We can know about Him, but not know Him. It said they did not know Him. They knew about Him, but they did not know Him. Why? Because their eyes were restrained. Men, we understand what it's like to sometimes, and maybe women can relate to this too, but I can, I'll just confess, I know what it's like sometimes to have my eyes restrained. Anybody ever walked in the house and your wife says something like, sweetheart, do you notice anything different? Yeah. What do you think? It's amazing. And she's actually talking about the, the bag of trash that she left by the door for you to take out. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? Husbands, we know sometimes there's, there's moments our eyes are restrained, right? The same thing can be true spiritually. We can be in the presence of God and not know it. And this is so important because ultimately as we talk, we, we're talking this year about living the Jesus life together the very most important thing about living the Jesus life is knowing Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, nothing else matters. If you don't know Jesus, you cannot experience the life of Jesus. That's why Paul said this, the things that used to be gained to me I have counted as lost. Why? That I might gain Christ. He said this, that I might know Him. I want to know him. I don't want to just know about him. I don't want to just hear from somebody else about him. I want to know him. Question for all of us today is do we know him? Do we know Jesus? Do we recognize the presence of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the person of Jesus? And here we find in this passage of scripture three progressive stages. That these two people walk through that I believe is insightful for every single one of us. Actually speaks to every single one of us about what it means to be a person that that knows him. At the end of that passage of scripture, it says, Then their eyes were opened and they knew him. What was it that took place? What happened from that moment that they did not know him to the moment that they did know him? That's the most important question. That's the, that's the million-dollar question that changes the history of your life and changed the history of the world. People, not that knew about Jesus, but people that knew Jesus. And so there's three things in this passage of Scripture, three stages that they walk through that I believe every one of us can probably identify with one of these stages. And um, they all start with a B. Today's service is brought to you by the letter B. But three stages, broken hearts, burning hearts, and believing hearts. Broken hearts, burning hearts, and believing hearts. Three stages that perhaps all of us are in one of those stages i want to look at first the first stage broken hearts look at what it says when jesus appeared to them he said to them what kind of conversation is it that you have with one another as you walk and are sad he showed up to them he said what's going on guys y'all are so sad you're just sad look at your neighbor say don't look so sad it's just an hour of sleep, okay? Don't look so sad. We'll get it back in the fall. Jesus showed up and said, why are y'all, Why are you so sad? And look at what they said. They said, haven't you heard about Jesus of Nazareth? Verse 21, it says this, we were hoping that he would be the one who would redeem Israel. We were hoping, we had put our hopes in him, we had put our, we, we, we thought that this was going to be the moment that he would redeem Israel. You see, if you understand the context of these people at this time, they were Jewish people who had for centuries had an expectation that there would be a Messiah who would come, who would redeem Israel. People who had been Slaves in bondage, that he was going to bring them out, and and, and they were still under the the control of Rome. They were demeaned and, and belittled people under a foreign oppressor. And they said, We thought he was going to be the one that was going to redeem us, that was going to bring us into this place that we have been longing for. They were disappointed, they were sad. They were broken hearted. Have you ever been disappointed? Have you ever been b- broken hearted and saddened? Have you ever had a longing that you thought was going to be fulfilled in a certain way and it just didn't happen the way that you thought that it would happen? I think we've all had that. You see, within every single one of us, there is a longing. There are longings. Longings in our heart. I spoke with you a few weeks ago about five longings that every person has, a longing for identity, a longing for belonging, a longing for per, uh, uh, purpose and destiny and, and potential. There's longings in all of our hearts for something beyond where we're at, right? We all have longings. And perhaps you're in a place today where you are feeling disappointed. Perhaps you're feeling saddened. Perhaps you're feeling like, like you are broken hearted in the place that you're at today. Perhaps you're saying to yourself, this is not where I thought I would be at this stage in life. This is not the way I thought the relationship would go. This is not the way I thought my career would go. This is not the way, this is is not what I had in mind. Perhaps you're in a place of disappointment. Perhaps you're in a place of broken heartedness. Here's the good news is, It's often in the place of brokenheartedness that Jesus draws near. It's often when we come to the place of of disappointment and of sadness and a sense of loss that, that Jesus draws near to us. The Bible says that he is near to the brokenhearted. Sometimes we're longing for something and God does not give us that something because He knows that ultimately that thing is not the ultimate satisfaction that we are looking for. Not that it's a bad thing, but it it, it may even satisfy us temporarily, but there is a difference between having satisfaction and having the source of satisfaction. God oftentimes withholds things from us not because He does not love us but because ultimately He wants to give us something greater than that. He wants to give us Himself. Every good and perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of lights with whom there's neither variable nor shadow of turning. Every good thing that we have in life and that we want in life will come from God. But, but oftentimes God doesn't give those things to us. He wants us to, to seek after him. He wants us to be satisfied in him and that's where these people were. They were in a place of broken heartedness. How many people today, in fact I'll, I'll just get a little raise of hands, a little crowd participation hopefully it doesn't backfire. How many of you, you came to, you came to faith through a difficult circumstance? Anybody here a difficult circumstance? Many of us. You, you came to faith through a difficult circumstance, God uses these times of brokenheartedness. Perhaps you're in that place today. Let me tell you again, God is near. Jesus is near to the brokenhearted. It's So when you come to that place of, God, I can't do it. God, I, I can't. I, 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 I'm in a place of sadness, in a place of loss, that Jesus himself draws near. The first stage is broken hearts. The second stage is burning hearts. Look at what the Bible says. They're telling Jesus all of the things they want. We are hoping that he would bring us into this place of satisfaction. They were hoping, they wanted the kingdom to be redeemed to them. They wanted the kingdom and they thought they lost it, but the king is standing right in front of them. Right? How many of you know that one of the prerequisites for the kingdom is the presence of the king? Right? And so here's the king standing right in front of them, and they're wanting something else. They're brokenhearted. And so Jesus says to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things And to enter into his glory, look at what it says, And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Now, how many of you know, if you're going to have a Bible study, how many of you know a Bible study with Jesus is unlike any other Bible study? You know what I'm saying? Like, you may have a favorite Bible teacher, maybe you like, you know, I don't, I, we won't even name all the people, but, but maybe you're like, man, you know, Beth Moore, if I could just sit down and study the word with Beth Moore, my life would be changed. Maybe it's like John MacArthur, man, I like that reform thing, if you give it to me, you know, uh, or maybe it's like Bill Johnson, you know, I, if, he, if I could just sit with him and listen to him. Well, here they are sitting with Jesus, Bible study with Jesus. Come on, mind blown. Right? And they go on to say, did not our hearts burn within us while he spoke? Our hearts were burning. They had this feeling, but they still had not come to the place of faith. There's many of us that can live in that place that we are living in. With a burning heart. Perhaps you're in that place today. Perhaps you are beginning to sense something stirring in your heart. Perhaps, perhaps there's this longing that there's something more to life than where you're at. And you're just going, I don't even totally know what it is. But, but your heart is burning within you. And look at what the Bible says. It says that Jesus opened up the scriptures. Notice he doesn't talk about their feelings. Notice he doesn't go, how do you feel? Let's talk about how are you feeling right now. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with how we feel, but our feelings do not lead our reality. Let me say that again. Feelings should not lead your reality. There is a truth beyond what you're feeling at the moment that does determine reality. And here Jesus is opening up the Scripture. He doesn't say, if you want to know me, you need to look within yourself. You need to look into your feelings. You just need to get into, you know, this little feeling within you. He goes, no, let me open up the Scriptures. God's not against feeling, but feelings follow the Word of God. And so he opens it up and he begins to expound. He begins, I, I, I don't know this, but he, he may have just started in Genesis. It says he went through all the scripture. He may have just started in Genesis. Like, y'all know Genesis, the Genesis story? That breath of life thing? Yeah. Exodus, you ever read Exodus? You know that whole Passover lamb thing? That lamb that was slain? For your deliverance, for your freedom? You ever read Leviticus? You know that high priest that goes in to make intercession? For you, that one who is holy and blameless and without sin that stands on your behalf before the presence of God? He's just dropping just just revelation on them and they're going, what a great Bible study. This guy's pretty good this guy's good. I think he's, I think he could be like a teacher or something, right? What, they're they're living according to their feelings rather than living out of a revelation of Jesus. And there are many Christians or people that are in church that live in the same place. Now, let me say again, feelings are not bad, but if you live according to feelings, you will wreck your life. Feelings are up and down. If you want to Ruin relationships? Make it based on your feelings. If you want to ruin a career, just just start to do whatever you feel like doing on whatever particular day you feel it. If you follow your feelings, ultimately it will ruin everything. But we live not out of feelings. The Bible says we walk by faith, not by sight, not by natural sight. We're living out of this place of faith. And so oftentimes we come into a A place where it's, you know, it's got all the feels. Now, let me tell you again, I love feelings. Man, I could get into an atmosphere, worship atmosphere, worship concert. Like, I was at the Send a couple of weeks ago, and worshiping with 60,000 people is incredible. Can we all agree with that? But if that is the measurement of my walk with God, that's like a -a once-in-a-lifetime event. And so oftentimes, we base our walk with the Lord on how we feel rather than the revelation of God's Word. Rather than who He is in His Word, it's all about how we feel. So we come in on a Sunday, and rather than, rather than going, thank you, God, you're the, the breath of life. Thank you, Lord, you've forgiven me. Thank you, God, that you've, you've saved me. Thank you, God, you've redeemed me. We come in and we go, ah... I'm just not feeling it. I'm just not feeling it. Again, I love feelings, but you can hit a certain chord on the keyboard and it will make you feel a certain way. There is a danger. There is a danger in the church today that we have learned how to craft experiences and we are living out of our feelings rather than living out of the presence of God, out of a revelation of who Jesus is. I love feelings, but I'm not going to live by my feelings. My feelings go up and down. So we don't live according to that burning heart, but so many of us stop in that place. There's many followers of Jesus that they just go, man, I felt it today. That was great. And they never move any further than that. They live from... Feeling to feeling to feeling to feeling to feeling rather than faith based on the word of God. Jesus opened the scripture to them. And look at what it says. He expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning who? Himself. Who is the Bible about? Jesus. If you want to get to know Jesus, where do you go? The Bible. He took them and he opened up the word of God. And they said our hearts burned within us. I believe God wants our hearts to burn within us, but he wants us to burn in response to his word rather than just a, a momentary experience. Amen? So burning hearts, broken hearts, Burning hearts. Number three, stage three, is believing hearts. Believing hearts. It says in verse 28, Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone farther. The original language is better translated, he acted as if he was going to go further. I don't know exactly what that looked like, but he's walking with them, he's talking about the Bible, and it says he acted like he would have gone further. It was like, all right then, we'll be seeing you. Take care. Blessings, right? I, I, I'm just going to keep going, I'm going to keep moving. And look at what it said. He just was acting like he was going to keep going. I love that. I love it. But they constrained him. Saying abide with us. I don't know exactly how they constrained him. I don't know how they went about that. But there was something they responded to what had been spoken to them. They responded by saying, we can't let him go. We we can't just let him go. There's something, you see, this was in fact probably the first thing that they actually did right in this story. They were speaking to Jesus face to face and they didn't realize it was him. But they said, our hearts are burning and, and we don't know why. But we don't want him to go on. And they responded, abide with us. Stay with us. Don't leave us. Have you ever heard somebody say if Jesus would just show himself, if he would just show up, I would believe in him. No, you wouldn't. Because you do not see Jesus with the natural eyes, you see him with the eyes of faith. Jesus, If you don't have faith in your heart, Jesus could show up in the flesh and you would not see it. But Jesus... Brings the word to them. Isaiah 55 says this, that the word of God does not return void. So this word was planted in their heart and they responded in faith. They responded, abide with us. Don't move on. Don't just leave us. And look what happened. It says that as he sat with them and he broke bread with them, it was around the table that their eyes were opened and they saw him. You see, Jesus does not just, at the risk of sounding crass, Jesus does not just expose himself to everyone. He reveals himself in relationship. You see, intimacy follows commitment. Intimacy follows commitment. And it was those, it was the moment when they said, Jesus, would you abide? They didn't even know it was him. Abide with us. We want you to be here. We want you to rest with us come and stay don't just move on but but come and abide with us it says at that moment that their eyes were opened he doesn't he doesn't just expose himself to everyone he's far too beautiful for that if he just revealed his glory to everyone we would not we would not love him for who he is truly right like spouses, you can, you can relate to this. You don't want your spouse to love you because they love the idea of marriage. Right? You want them to love you because of you. Because of who you are. And then it's in that place that intimacy flows out of commitment. We can love the idea rather than loving the person. But they said, we want you to abide with us, stay with us, be here with us. Jesus is looking for people who will respond to op- with openness to him in order to reveal himself to them. He's looking for people that will go beyond just their feelings in the moment, but will respond in faith. And say, so we, we want you here. We, we're desperate to have you here. The Bible says this. Worship team, you guys can come back up. The Bible says this in Acts 7 49. Heaven is my throne, and earth is my footstool. What house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or where is the place of my rest? What's he saying? I, I want to come and dwell with you. I want to draw near with you. I want to live with you. But but I want you to want me. I, I, I want to be wanted. A.W. Tozer said this, that he waits to be wanted. What a shame that he waits so long for so many of us. That we are perpetually chasing something else rather than chasing him. Rather than saying, God, you are the satisfaction of my soul. God, you are the one. Let me tell you, whatever longing you have in your heart, only Jesus can truly satisfy it. Only Jesus, only Jesus, James 4:8, says this, "Draw near to me, and I will draw near to you." He's waiting for people that will say, "You know what? I'm, God, I'm, just, I'm desperate for you. I want you. I want your presence in my life. I'm not going to wait until the feelings, right? I'm not going to wait until, uh, until I feel it. God, I'm just going to step out just going to move God. I'm just going to make space. I'm just going to say, come in and abide with me. When he draws near, it's always an invitation to intimacy. It's always an invitation to relationship. So here's the practical takeaway today. I know some of us are practical. We're like, this is kind of spiritual. I don't understand this. Spiritual is important. spiritual life is your real life. It's not a separation. Here's here's the practicality. Do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Again, it's possible to be around Him. It's possible to be in an environment where other people know Him, but you do not know Him. Do Do you know Him today? Do you know Jesus? Second question, practical question is, are you making room in your life for him? Are you like these two that finally, although they were slow to believe, they finally came to the place that they just said, Jesus, would you come in and abide with us? Would you come in and we're just going to move things out? Practically, what does that look like? I know this may sound like a a broken drum, but I, I just have to tell you, spending time daily with Jesus is absolutely essential to know Jesus. Spending time, I know it can sound very simple. Sometimes we can feel like, well, isn't there a deeper revelation? No, just make room for Him. They didn't have some in-depth theology. They just said, abide with us, and the revelation came. Making time for Jesus on a regular basis. Last fall, we talked about making Jesus your first follow before you follow social media in the morning, before you check in on your favorite news outlet, whatever spectrum, uh, end of the spectrum that's on, are you spending time abiding with him? Are you spending time just being with him in his presence? There, there's no other thing. There's no other thing in serving Jesus than Jesus. Jesus. There's nothing else than saying, God, I want you in my life. I'm going to pursue you. I'm going to make room in my schedule. I'm going to make 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. Does it have to be the first part of the day? Yeah. Yeah, I know some of you are like, I'm an evening person. We'll do it in the morning and in the evening. But there's something about that first, the first time with him, the first experience of the day that you just, that means you're going to have to get up earlier, right? Right? I know everybody's like, let's go back to the spiritual things. This is way too practical (laughs) on this day. The sin is awesome. But if we don't spend time with the Lord on a daily basis, that will be an event that has come and gone and that will be the end of it. But people that are abiding in the presence of God, learning to live with Him, walk with Him, learning to make room in their day, to spend time with him. That's the secret. So there is, do you know Jesus? Are you making room for him? And then also just recognizing there's a deeper place in him. Wherever you're at today, perhaps you're in that place of a broken heart. Perhaps you're in the place of disappointment and pain. Perhaps you're in the place of a burning heart that you feel, you know, there's something stirring. I want you to know that there's something more Perhaps you're in the place of a believing heart. That's just the beginning of walking with the Lord every single day. I want to ask if you would just to stand to your feet.